Great. Good morning, everyone. Great to see you. My name's Chris. And uh, just in case you're wondering, I, I don't have a matching water bottle for every one of my shirts. It's just, a, it's just a happy coincidence today, the blessing of the Lord. Maybe, maybe you do. Maybe I'm, I'm behind the times. But we are picking back up with our series in the book of Joshua this morning. And as elders, we felt God leading us to study Joshua over the summer because it's all about believing God and moving forward. It's all about a journey of faith. We're all on a journey of faith. Whether you're not yet a Christian, whether you've been following Jesus for most of your life, you're on a journey of faith as an individual, and we are on a journey of faith together as a church family. God is calling us to to step out, to see our city changed, to see disciples made, to see new churches planted. And that requires walking forward in faith together. Today, we're going to learn more about what that looks like from one of the most remarkable women in the Bible, Rahab. So here's the background to our story. God had freed Israel from slavery in Egypt, but due to their disobedience, they found themselves wandering in the desert for 40 long years. But now the time had come to enter the promised land. God said to their new leader, Joshua, in three days, it'll be time to pack up the camp, cross the river, and enter into the land that he's giving them. Facing the Israelites on the other side of the river, is the first enemy stronghold, Jericho. And here's what happened next. This is Joshua chapter 2. You can read along on the screen or in your Bibles. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, go, view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. And it was told to the king of Jericho, Behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. Then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, True, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out. I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them with the stalks of flax that she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued after them on the way to the Jordan as far as the fords, and the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. Before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted and there was no spirit left in any man because of you for the Lord your God he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath now then 
Please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. And the men said to her, our life for yours, even to death. If you do not tell this business of ours, then when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was built into the city wall so that she lived in the wall. And she said to them, go into the hills where the pursuers will encounter you and hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Then afterwards you may go your way. The man said to her, We will be guiltless with respect to this oath of yours that you have made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, you shall tie this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And you shall gather into your house your father and mother, your brothers, and all your father's household. Then if anyone goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we shall be guiltless. But if a hand is laid on anyone who is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head. But if you tell this business of ours, we shall be guiltless with respect to your oath that you've made us swear. And she said, according to your words, so be it. Then she sent them away and they departed. And she tied the scarlet cord in her window. They departed and went into the hills and remained there three days until the pursuers returned. And the pursuers searched all along the way and found nothing. Then the two men returned. They came down from the hills and passed over and came to Joshua, the son of Nun. And they told him all that had happened to them. And they said to Joshua, truly, the Lord has given all the land into our hands. And also, all the inhabitants of the land melt away because of us. This is God's word. The story of Rahab sheds so much light on what the journey of faith is all about. We're going to see that the journey of faith begins with the invitation of God to unexpected people. We're going to see that it's all about who God is and what he's done. And we're going to see that it must lead to a radical all-in response from us. But let's pray before we start. Father, I thank you for your word, which is living and active. We just pray that you would come now and move us forward in our journey of faith. We want to we be people who believe you and who step out in response to you. We want to we meet with you this morning. We want to encounter you, God. Please would you speak to us. Please would you give us ears to hear you this morning. Amen. So firstly, the journey of faith begins with God reaching out to unexpected, undeserving, unappealing people. To say that Rahab is an unlikely hero is a giant understatement. Every detail of her life would have shocked the original listeners. To state the obvious, she's a woman. In this ancient context, thankfully very different from our own, she's a second-class citizen. It would be unthinkable for the listeners that these Israelite spies, these military men, 
would need her protection, the protection of a woman. And yet that's exactly the role that God gives her. And the first thing we learn about Rahab is that she is a prostitute. We don't know whether this was because of her own bad choices or because of being exploited by others. Needless to say, God hates all forms of sexual exploitation and abuse, including that which inevitably comes with prostitution. He made all human beings in his own image, dignified and precious. To see his beautiful gift of sex being twisted and ripped from the safety of the marriage covenant and used for self-gratification and abuse, almost always at the expense of women, breaks God's heart. Like so many in every era of human history, Rahab had a dark past involving sexual brokenness. And God chose to save her. Rahab isn't just a prostitute, but a Canaanite pagan who worshipped other gods. A few weeks ago, we learned that the worship of Canaanite gods was a dark affair and often involving a sacrifice of children. Rahab had spent a lifetime worshipping something other than the God who had made her. Even that didn't exclude her from God's wonderful plans. If you were choosing a character to model the journey of faith, you might not choose Rahab, but God did. When the Israelite army eventually conquered the city of Jericho in chapter 6, we're told that she and her whole family were saved and fully adopted into the people of God. In fact, God was so proud to have brought Rahab into his family that we're told in Matthew's gospel that she was given the high honor of being the great-great-grandmother of Israel's greatest king, David. But not only that, she was named in the lineage of Jesus, the Messiah himself. So far from being an awkward embarrassment, Rahab's remembered in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, in the book of James, as a hero of faith. And it all started with God's invitation, the outsider. God sought her out. The Israelite spies, they could have gone anywhere, but in God's providence, they ended up at Rahab's door. Maybe you know today that you're still on the outside. You've never responded to God's invitation. Maybe you've discounted yourself from being part of God's family. Maybe you don't think he wants you because of your past. Maybe it involves sexual sin, or maybe you just feel just too broken to be brought into the purposes of God. Or maybe you've just been running after other things your whole life. But you just are beginning to see that you need God. You need the real thing. Today, there's an invitation for you to step towards God. He loves bringing the outsider in. And it's so important for all of us to remember that we all started out as outsiders like Rahab. A few weeks ago in worship, Callum brought a, brought a word that's really stuck with me. He, he, he asked us all just to think for a minute where we would all be without Jesus. And if you've been a Christian for a long time, it's surprisingly easy to just lose that perspective, to forget. And the thing is, if you get so used to being on the inside that you forget what God has saved you from, then you can grow hard-hearted to those who are still on the outside. You can miss God's overwhelming desire to reach out and bring those people 
in. You might dial down your expectations of maybe how God could save the people in your own life, maybe people that you think are far from him. Church is not a club for the in crowd. It's a refuge for sinners like me and like you, like Rahab. So the journey of faith always begins with God's invitation to the outsider. Let's look at how the story continues from there. When the spies turn up at her door, Rahab's faced with the most important choice of her life. Hand the Israelites over to the Jericho police or risk everything and hide them. It's a choice between her people and the people of Israel. It's a choice between her old gods and the one true God. It's a choice between carrying on in her old ways life of darkness and prostitution, or taking a completely new path towards God. Why why did she choose God? Where did her faith come from? We can find the answer in verses 9 to 13, where she makes this incredible statement of faith. I just want to read it again. She says, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. As soon as we heard it, our hearts melted and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord, your God, He is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you will also deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. Rahab's faith, it didn't spring from nowhere. It sprang from knowing and understanding who God is. And who God is was revealed to her by what God has done. I know the Lord has given his people the land, she says, because he's proved himself to be powerful and faithful time and time again in the past. He is the God who 40 years before miraculously parted the Red Sea and brought his people out of slavery in Egypt. And he's the God who much more recently gave them victory against the armies of the Amorites, These two events, the exodus and the victory against the Amorites, they kind of act as bookends on Israel's 40 years in the wilderness. Together, they're like a a summary statement of God's relationship with his people, that he has been with them the whole time. From start to finish, he has protected them, he has provided for them again and again. Rahab's mind was filled with what God had done. And it provided the basis for her faith in what God would do. That is the mentality of faith. You know, she, could have, she could have chosen to interpret those last 40 years of Israelite history differently, with some degree of accuracy. She could have said, yeah, sure, you escaped from Egypt a long time ago. Sure, you've had a few lucky victories along the way. 
You've been wandering around in the desert for 40 years. Where is your God then? You've made it to the Jordan, but what does that prove? This is a battle of faith that we all face. Life with God is a mixture of seasons where we see him clearly and powerfully at work in our lives, and then seasons of less clarity, maybe even confusion and disappointment. In our journey of faith, we all face a choice. Either we hang on to the moments of clarity, moments where we know God has spoken, moments where we we know he's given us the breakthrough, we know he's answered our prayer, or when we know we've powerfully experienced his presence. Or we allow those moments of clarity to be clouded by the seasons of waiting or the challenges we face. It's not to play those difficult times down, but we can so easily allow our faith journey to stagnate and disappointment and delay. It's, it's amazing, isn't it, just how quickly we can forget how good God has been to us? We've got to fight to remember what God has done. When I was two, God dramatically healed me of a really serious illness. He, he saved my life. When I was a teenager, when I, I wandered off and, and did my own thing, he, he graciously chased me down. He brought me to this church. He planted me here. And a thousand times over, he has protected me. He's provided for me when I was being faithful to him and when I was not. Now, there is an enemy. And he wants to downplay and call into question everything that God has ever done for you or for me. Just like the snake did in the Garden of Eden. He'll always try to sow doubt into your mind. Did God really say? Is that really, is that really God? Maybe, maybe you just imagined that. Or maybe that was just hype or whatever. I want to encourage you to ask yourself, what has God done for you in the past? Write those things down. That can be helpful. I forget stuff. Remember them. Choose to look for the the ways God is and has been at work in your life, both big and small. Celebrate them. Talk about them with others. Thank God for those moments. Don't let them get stolen away from you. And of course, above everything, we must. Choose to remember what God has done for us decisively in Christ. Rahab's faith rested on historical realities, and so does ours. In his first letter to the Corinthians, Paul urged them to remember the central historical truth of the Christian faith, that Jesus died for our sins, that he was buried that he was raised on the third day, just as he said he would be, and that the resurrected Jesus appeared to hundreds of other people before he ascended into heaven. It really happened. It is the defining event in all of history. And it is the historical reality that we remembered earlier when we were taking communion. As Christians, we've got to, we've got to fight to constantly call out to mind, to remember that every day and to celebrate it. Faith grows through choosing to remember what God 
has done. Because when we do that, we remind ourselves who he is now. He's always consistent. He never changes. So, Rahab had knowledge of what God had done and who he was. And the journey of faith requires that knowledge. But knowledge about God isn't enough on its own. To go forward on the journey of faith, you have to move from knowledge into trust. Rahab knew that God was powerful and the righteous judgment was coming for Jericho. But clearly, so did lots of other Canaanites because they ran away. Rahab could have easily fled like they did, melting away in fear and dread of what she knew was coming. But Rahab knew that there is only one escape from the judgment of God. It's casting yourself entirely on the mercy of God. Maybe she knew that in Exodus 34, God had told Israel that he was a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. She understood what others in Canaan didn't, that mercy was available if only they were willing to turn to God and trust him. Even at this stage, it wasn't too late to repent. God always wants sinners to turn to him. Rahab staked everything on God's character. When judgment came in the form of the Israelite army, She trusted completely that the promise would be kept, that the cord, the red cord in her window would be enough to spare her from the wrath of God. It's reminiscent of the Passover in Egypt when the Israelites painted the blood of a lamb over their doorposts and were spared death. These stories point forward because it's only by the blood of Jesus that we can be saved from God's righteous judgment. Only when his blood covers us can we receive his mercy. Jesus took our judgment. He died in our place. In verse 14 of the story, the spies respond to Rahab's statement of faith by saying, our life for yours, even to death. And that is Jesus' promise to you when you put your faith in him. In the house, Rahab and her family were safe. In Christ, we are safe. When judgment comes, you need to be found in Christ. Not hedging your bets or relying on your own escape strategy. If you haven't put your faith in Jesus to save you yet, you can do that today. Believe that he has taken the judgment that you deserve All of your sin, all of your past, all of your brokenness, it's all been dealt with by Jesus. Your role, my role, is just simply to trust him and to trust him completely. We have to put our life in his hands. The journey of faith is high stakes. Must have felt like a huge risk 
to Rahab, betting everything on God's promise to spare her on account of the red cord in her window. Can you imagine the tension as the Israelite army approached? Phil Varley said something powerful on the weekend away. It's just been going round and round in my head. One day, he said, I will be on my deathbed. And on that day, I will have no choice but to stake everything on Jesus. My eternal future will rely entirely on him. So why not live like that now? And that's what Phil and Sarah are trying to do as they follow the call of God to plant a church in Rotterdam despite, despite all the, the high cost to them and, and their family. Living a life of faith like Rahab means being willing to put everything on the line. Believing that the goodness and the faithfulness of God will be enough for you. You know, on your journey of faith, at some point, God will call you to make some big decisions. I ask you, does your faith play out in those decisions? Those big life decisions. Is it your faith that is driving those? Rahab's decision to bet everything on God and remain in Jericho may well have looked like foolishness to other people. I wonder what her family felt, for instance, at her insistence that they had to gather together and huddle in her house as an army literally attacked their city outside. Living the life of faith means your life won't look like other people's lives. There'll be times when you make decisions that that don't make sense without God in the equation. Decisions that look crazy to your non-Christian friends or family. I remember years ago when I I just started uh, working for the church as the administrator in the office. And uh, I remember my my grandfather just gently questioning what I was doing with my life. I think he felt I might be could do something a little more significant or, you know, in a worldly sense, maybe be earning more money or, you know, doing, be doing something respectable. He was, he was an amazing man. He, he was a lieutenant commander in the Royal Navy. He'd done some incredible things in his life, really impressive things. There was probably nobody I respected more. I really wanted to impress him. But I knew that God had led me to serve in the church. It might not have looked like much from the outside, but I knew God was in that decision. I knew that's the way he was leading me. And I knew that was more important than what anyone else thought. What does that next faith step look like for you? Maybe it's stepping out more and sharing your faith with others. I began by saying this morning that our journey of faith, in our journey of faith, we all start out like Rahab. But the amazing thing is, once we get brought into God's family, he commissions us to be like one of the spies. We're called to obediently go into enemy territory, to seek out other outsiders with the offer of God's grace and mercy. I want to do that more regularly. 
You know, sometimes I've, I'm faithful to that call. Sometimes, sometimes I kind of I'm, I'm, I risk the friendship or, or whatever and, and speak out and try and share my faith boldly. And at other times, I just get caught up just thinking about what I'm risking. I don't know, my reputation, whatever that is, uh, my credibility. You just, you just kind of think, oh, no, what risk am I taking here? But we want to be bold people who step out in faith, don't we? So let's step out in faith this week. Let's step out in faith and share the good news of Jesus. And let's keep doing that with people. Just think what would have happened to Rahab if the spies hadn't obediently answered the call and gone to her door. Whose door has God brought you to? You know, God has loads of people in this city and beyond that he wants to reach through me and you. That is why we have been asking God to recalibrate us to this great commission mindset over the past year. And it's why we're believing that people in this church, people in this room right now, are going to be called by God to go and help plant new churches in other places, in the Lothians, in in Scotland, and beyond. And there are loads of challenges with this. And one that Rahab faced and, and overcame was trusting God with her family. The idea of moving somewhere to help a church plant or doing something radical like that can be particularly hard where family is concerned. Many of us have kids or parents living nearby whose lives would be disrupted by a move like that, by responding to the call of God in that kind of way. But sometimes in our desire to care for them, we just don't really want to listen to God. just in case he asks us to do anything that might put their happiness at risk, we can forget that God loves your family way more than you do. He loves my family way more than I do. Rahab understood that she could make a radical faith decision and that God could not only be trusted with her family's protection and their safety, but that he was going to richly bless her family as she did that. And he, and he did. They were brought into the people of God and they have been remembered forevermore. It's another one of those battles that we all face on the journey of faith. When the pressure is on, when God calls us out of our comfort zone, when everything is on the line, are we going to believe that he really is good enough? And that we can really trust him with everything? You know, we sing great songs like this morning, you are good, you are good. And, 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 and we believe it, we proclaim it. It's right to do that, stirring ourselves into that place of worship. But it's when the pressure is on, when it really counts, that we know that God is good. We know he is good. We can trust him with absolutely everything. We can step out. We can take that risk because he's with us and he's enough. I'm not saying live rashly. 
You know, if you feel like God is, is calling you to take a risky step of faith, talk about it with other people. Get, get advice from, from Christians that you trust and leaders. Use wisdom. But for us to move forward in our journey of faith, there will come times when we have to trust Jesus completely and take that step into the unknown. Just like Rahab. Guys, when we do that, I really believe we will see God do more than we could possibly ask or imagine. That is when we're going to see him at work powerfully in us and through us. He has got so much for us if we would step in. For you as an individual, for us as a church. Amen? We've got plenty of time to respond. We're going to sing a song. I just want to invite you just to to think about what God has been speaking to you about this morning. How is he calling you to respond? Let's stand together. Maybe you've been discounting yourself from the invitation of God to to step in to the journey of faith. Maybe you know you're not a Christian, but, but today is the day. You know you need to take a step towards God. If that's you, I just want to pray a prayer that you can pray along with in your heart. Lord, I want to know you. I need you. And I want to respond to your invitation this morning. I want to step in. I want to be a member of your family. Thank you, Lord, that because of Jesus, my past, my sin, my brokenness, all of it is dealt with. It doesn't exclude me from your family. I can give it to you. I can receive your forgiveness. I can, I can take that new path with you. Lord, I want to do that today. Amen. If, that's, if, you, if, you've, if you've prayed something like that or you want to speak to somebody about that, please do that before you leave here. Speak to me or speak to somebody you came with. Speak to uh, somebody at our Connect desk. We really want to help you keep taking those steps towards God. But hey, maybe you've been a Christian for years and, and you, you've just allowed, you know you've just allowed like disappointment or just uncertainty or just those sort of periods of grayness in life cloud out the vivid clarity that you once had in God. God's calling you to remember what he has done, who he is, who he's shown himself to be to you in the past. I just want to encourage you to just, even when you don't feel it, just to start thanking God for things that you know he has done for you in the past. Because I believe as we do that, as we stir ourselves in gratitude, faith rises. We, We remember who God is. We remember 
who he is now and who he will always be for us. I think there's lots of people in the room today God just wants to speak to you about trusting him completely with everything. Maybe you know that he's been calling you to take a little faith step. Maybe it's sharing your faith more and talking about Jesus in settings where that is, you know, some more risky or you feel like people might reject you or you, you think your credibility might be lost or that next promotion might be lost or whatever it is. Or maybe it's something else. Maybe it's a step of faith in another area of your life that, that you know you've just held back from. You know God's been saying this. You know it's in front of you, but you've just been kind of holding back. Just not, not, not sure. What, just the what ifs and the uncertainty has just been just, just too much. But God wants to call you into that adventure of faith today. You will never regret taking the step of faith with God. He is with you. He goes before you. He goes behind you. God is with you. We're going to sing now.